0: Hey, Richard How are you? It's Friday. Oh, I am very well. Great.
1: So, uh, where are you? Are you at Are you at office? This is a great backdrop.
0: Yeah, so today we are uh, we are at Bangalore today. Uh, and we are meeting a lot of our uh-huh. big customers and investors today uh, in Bangalore.
1: Oh, that's nice. You have a day full of busy meetings.
0: Uh, but where are you, Richard?
1: Oh, I am at the Mahalakshmi race course right now. I was uh, here for a shoot. And then I was like, okay, we have to record our podcast. I decided to do it from here.
0: Okay, so I think that explains all the birds chirping behind you.
1: Yes, absolutely. He was like, work, get to get to work on time, all that you need is technology and a good place. So I said, let's do it from here. Wonderful. So it's interesting. Both of us are out of office. I'm at the race course. You're in transit in Bangalore. And that's what our subject with this podcast is hybrid work. So hybrid work basically took on the spotlight during the pandemic, and then it, it, it literally was a subject of discussion across corporates and across all corridors of work. To begin with, tell us what is the difference between work and hybrid work?
0: Yeah, so I think the term hybrid work is something that uh, all over the been. right? Uh When the pandemic hit, uh, the term that actually came out first was remote work, and then so companies were forced to go very quickly from mostly an office model to hundred percent remote overnight. Absolutely. Right? And then uh, that was a model that was obviously not tested at all. Uh, so it was an experimentation for the whole world. And once that happened, uh, I think over the next three months, there was a lot of back and forth over the next six months, there was a lot of back and forth. Uh, and uh, I think after about a year is when uh, everyone realized uh, that uh, you know, now there's a possibility of going back to work uh, and how do we now uh, design a model where there is an office, uh, there is remote and how do we blend the both of them into the most effective kind of style, right? And that is what we ended up calling hybrid work.
1: Right. So, John, uh, what's happened post-pandemic is, you know, some corporates have gone back to office, some of them are still doing remote work, some of them are doing what we call hybrid work, and that's primarily given hybrid work, an important chapter in the history of corporate work. So I just want to understand different models. So while doing my research, I came across five different kinds of models. One of them said at will and remote first. The other said office first. Then we had split week model. Then we had week by week. And the last one was designated teams hybrid work model. Can you just highlight a couple of quick differences among these models?
0: Yeah, so even before we come to all these models, uh, uh-huh. all will sound great, but I believe we are actually putting the horse before the cart. Right? Aha,
1: uh-huh. okay. We need
0: to really ask uh, even before we come to what is the model of hybrid work that we need to follow. The first person, right. uh, you know, to look at it from an employee first perspective, right? What is right. It we want our employees to achieve? What is it that we want our teams to achieve? What are the outcomes, mm-hmm. right? Uh, even before we come to hybrid work, let's maybe take uh, a few steps back, roll back the calendar, say three, five, ten years back. Right. Right. Or become uh, quite used to uh, the uh, Monday to Friday, nine to six kind of an office model. Uh, that that seems to Absolutely. that used to be the most dominant work model uh, that has evolved around the world, right? Uh, and because all that so used to get model somewhere along the way, I think a lot of organizations and a lot of managers stop asking the question of what is the outcome that I want my people to achieve? Right. And a lot of individuals themselves don't ask themselves that question. Right. And the focus then ends up becoming, uh, what is it that my manager wants me to do today? Right. Uh, more than what is the outcome that we want to achieve? Uh, what is the outcome I want to achieve, right? And many times I think that question gets lost. And that question, if you ask me is is very fundamental and core to the way work has to be designed, right? A lot of the challenges that we see in work, a lot of the disengagement, a lot of the negativity, and a lot of what we call toxic culture at work, all of that really stems from not asking this question well enough and deep enough, right? And uh, you'll notice all of us it's Friday and all of us are very happy because it's Friday Mondays are yes. days, right uh, so why is all that Mondays why are Fridays like wonderful Fridays where we can look forward to just taking our socks off right why is it that during the weekend uh, many of us feel work uh, is an allergy right the, <laughs> yes. I want to be Actually, step back and question all these thoughts in the first place, right? Uh, introspect. If you are feeling that way, why are you feeling that way, right? Is it because you think you're being forced to work by somebody else, right? Are you just a human being selling your time for money and that's what work means to you? Or is there something beyond there for purpose for work, right? If you don't have a purpose for work, then uh, this, this becomes a challenge. Right. It's going to be very difficult to stay engaged in the workforce for more than a certain period of time. Right, So I think these are some fundamental questions that need to be asked. And once there is clarity on that, right, that this is the outcome that we want, I want to drive myself okay, as an individual. This is the outcome that my boss wants me to drive. Right? This is the outcome that my teams or my company wants me to drive. Then comes the model of how can we be enabled or empowered to be delivering that outcome in the most effective manner, right? That becomes secondary, right? I think many times this question is not asked enough and we directly come to the different types of hybrid work models first, right? And that is where I think the problem comes, right? Because if I'm going to start off with the hybrid work uh, the work model first, as a manager or as a CEO or, you know, as a business leader, I'm going to conclude that this is the model that works best for all of us, right? And maybe this is the model that works best for the CXO suite, right? But that may need not, need not be the model that works best for the teams in the ground, right? So this has become the dichotomy that we are all trying to address right now. Now coming back to your question. You're... Yes, sorry. So John,
1: so it's actually very interesting because this conversation, right? About what is your purpose? What drives you at work? What do you want to do? Where do you want to go? This is not in a job description. Job descriptions are, these are your KPI, these are the skill sets you need, and this is what you want to do. So, presently, corporate has you know moved with the same job description into a hybrid model. And that's the point you've raised right now. Maybe that's the reason it's not effortlessly flowing, the transition is not smooth enough.
0: Absolutely. Because
1: very rarely, you know, very rarely has anybody asked me in my 10 years of corporate work when I was working in a corporate as to what is your purpose that brings you to work every day. What actually brings many to work every day is swiping in at the right time and waiting for that fun Friday and then sulking in those Monday blooms.
0: Yeah. So I think, uh, Richard, some of this also is because of uh, the kind of generational differences that we see. Uh, among different, uh, you know, generations of the workforce, right? Uh, so if you look at, say, the Gen X population, right? Uh, they were far more used to a hierarchy, hierarchical workforce, right? Where the, the leaders and the CEOs have all the understanding, all the knowledge and all the wisdom about the world, right? And uh, all wisdom flows downwards from the top, right? Uh, Correct. Now, uh, Millennials have grown up in a very different kind of uh, work era. When they started off in their careers, the world was starting to move from a hierarchical approach to a more flat kind of structure. Uh, You had uh, books by eminaries like uh, Thomas Friedman saying the world is flat. right? Uh, You had a lot of uh, change in thought leadership in terms of how work models need to be designed. And millennials actually grew up; uh, their first few years of corporate were influenced by that. Hey, maybe there's a way to do work differently, right? Uh, whereas Gen X didn't have that, right? When Gen X came in, uh, you know, everyone is working for uh, the organization to make money, and uh, you know, it's very clear that uh, the leaders are, uh, you know, in control, and they are the ones uh, to whom everyone needs to listen to right uh, but when Millennials came in, I think the big difference really uh, was that was understood by everyone is that if you have a top-down model that may not be the most effective model to deliver the outcome that we want people to do, right? Uh, because let's understand it, right. It's not only really, only the leadership that has uh, you know that is brains, right. It's not only really the leadership who can think, who can come up with solutions. You have a huge workforce layer by layer downward, all of whom are probably intelligent, smart people uh, and who can't probably think on their own if you empower them, right? And that's a huge difference in terms of, you know, uh, how you can use that brain power to make a difference, right? So as millennials have come up, you will find that even today, organizations where Gen X leaders are in power, typically mostly the large organizations, you will Uh find a lot of hierarchy, right? Yes, true you'll find that most of the newer organizations of today, which are where millennials are leading, uh, you know, you will find that the work models are very different because millennials value systems have been hugely influenced by their first few years in corporate, where there was a big change in thought leadership. Now, when it comes to Gen Z, uh, you'll find that Gen Z again has a very different set of values. Now, when millennial leaders look at their Gen Z workforce, Right? I think it will be very key for them to maybe understand what are the changing values of the Gen C workforce and how do you adapt your work models to kind of suit the Gen C workforce. And if you don't do that well, you're going to find huge problems of spiking attrition, high worker disengagement, uh, people doing all sorts of hanky-panky at work, right? Why? Because you are not helping them or empowering them to become uh, effective, in a way that is being aligned to their fundamental values at work, right? Uh, so, a lot of things that we as millennials learned uh, you know, in our 20s or our 30s, Gen C has learned them when before the age of 10, right? So mo- many times we find that when millennials tell Gen C that, you know what, this is the outcome, and this is how we want you to deliver the outcome, Gen C turns around and says, guys, I have a much smarter way of dealing with the outcome. I will show you how it has to be done, right? And then millennials realize okay you know what i don't need to do this top down right i need to state the outcome clearly and maybe empower the million, the gen Z person and let them come to me with how they want to deliver the outcome right that's probably, yeah, for sure yes right now however this also comes with uh, a lot of shift in the mindset that we need to have as managers and leaders right uh the need to you know uh so for for a lot of managers i think the need to feel in control becomes very important, right? And the question to be asked is, when do we feel in control, right? Do we feel in control because people are listening to each and every order that we are going to give them? And do we feel in control because people are doing work the way we want them to do work? Or do we feel in control because they are delivering the outcomes that we want them to do? But how they achieve the outcome, you know, is far more flexible, right? Where they have a big say,
1: so, John, you know, this is where I want to interrupt and ask you uh, but the, the very key question. Why do bosses dread hybrid
0: work? Yeah, so I think exactly the same question, right? You're asking the same question in a different way. As a boss, am I feeling that hybrid work means I'm not in control? I'm not able to see the person in front of me. I'm not able to see how they're going to deliver the outcome. Is that what worries me? Mm-hmm. That uh, and of course, the other major issue, which is that a genuinely major issue for all bosses is mm-hmm. mm-hmm. talking to the team, even if you empower them and say, uh, guys, uh, outcome, please deliver it uh, the way you want, uh, that may not work, right? Because the new person in the team or the new set of people in all your teams may not have enough training or may not have enough context to know how to deliver the outcome, right? So they may be equally lost, right? So any model for hybrid work Ask to take into account uh, also how is it that we uh, induct and train and bring the new teams up to shape, right? Otherwise, that's going to fail. Right? So, right. so uh, hmm. yeah, so I think go my ahead, ahead. you know my thought process here is as follows, right? That as a boss, you know, ask yourself, right, that do you dread hybrid work because you feel a loss of control? Right, and is your sense of control going to be determined by, uh, you know, seeing people in front of you, right, or feeling that, you know, what they're doing for each minute of their day, right, or is your sense of control, uh, uh, you know, of being in control, is your sense of being in control determined by, you know, are they able to achieve the outcomes that you want them to achieve, uh, within the timelines that all of you have mutually agreed that you will achieve? Right, uh, and I think if a lot of bosses ask themselves that question, and move to the latter part uh, as a definition of being in control, right? I think you will find that a lot of the dread of hybrid work goes away from from leadership.
1: Interesting, because clearly hybrid work is here to stay. I mean, I know there are a lot of murmurs going around, you know, by companies and especially HR is caught in between the valley and the ridge because. Uh, bosses want employees back and employees are saying we're sorry we don't want to come back because we are delivering through hybrid work models so you know with it here to say let me ask you this how does an organization adapt to or find the right balance between control you know what we spoke about to actually empowering the employee to take decisions and deliver from wherever they are just like you're doing with End Paradigm? so tell us about that
0: I think before we come to end paradigm, I'll maybe talk about my observations with a lot of large companies that. Working with. Sure, sure. In the last six months, I think a lot of lot of large corporates have called call people back to work, right? Uh, and uh, we've had the fortune of being able to go and finally meet people face to face, something that we couldn't do for three years, right? But what was remarkable was that even though the organizations have a policy saying you know three days work, five days work. Uh, office for so many days, they have found that actually enforcing this is a far bigger challenge than it used to be before the pandemic, right? Uh, so uh, people have realized and learned that they can deliver uh, from anywhere, right? Uh, and uh, many, many other people are actually asking themselves the question, Why should I be at this location at this time, mandatorily, every day of the week? if I could have achieved that outcome by being somewhere else in a more effective way, right? And as a boss, it's very difficult for me to answer that question for them, right? If I've taken Absolutely,
1: hard, yes.
0: Especially if I've taken a hard stance that no, you have to be here, right? And what I'm actually doing is once people realize that there's a better model to deliver outcomes, if I force them to come to a less less effective model, right? I'm actually creating frustration in the other person, right? and it's probably going to end up for the worst of all of us right so a lot of the clients a lot of the large companies that we are working in when we go to their offices and see how many people are actually turning up to work we find very mixed results right uh but okay. the organizations are doing great they are achieving very good business outcomes right mm-hmm. So people will find that the world has definitely moved on to a more superior way this is you know i think the A simple parallel I can give you is when uh, technology and digitalization came into the workforce in a very big way in the late 90s, the early 2000s, right? And people who sat with pen and paper realized that that model is dead. You may be more comfortable with pen and paper, but that's a more superior way to deliver the outcome, right? And eventually... Right, right. Right? Today, we don't find too much of pen and paper anywhere. Absolutely, yes. Most people carry pen where the ink is dry. Right. So that's, that's how we. So true. Yeah. I...
1: So John, this is the perfect uh, time then for you to tell us uh, quickly about the different types of hybrid work models. I think it's the perfect interjection for it.
0: Yeah, so we, like you rightly, you know, said early in this discussion, right, that, you know, there are, there is the will and Remote First model, which seems to be uh, probably, uh, uh, so I don't know, you know, when you say will and Remote First, you know, is it at will and remote first, or is it basically two models? At will separately and remote first separately. How do you see that?
1: So when so when, uh, when I saw it, it was, uh, it was in the same sentence of at will and remote first. So my understanding of that was that, you know, I can work from wherever I want, wherever I am, and whenever I want. That was my understanding because at will is at my will, and then remote first is first reference to wherever I am at that given point of time.
0: Okay, I think I was just wondering who's will we talking about here. <laughs> okay. All right. so, that, that, uh, so I would interpret at will really, uh uh you know as you know if I am an employee, I decide whether I want to work from my home, my office, or from a third remote location, wherever it is, right? That's how I would interpret at will right? Uh I would interpret remote first as a model where but the default choice seems to be uh hey guys stay at home unless it's really important to come come in office right or come right. To, right where if office first is you know by default we'll all be in office unless there is some uh, major exigency or emergency right for example there's too much pollution in a city right or there's a flood uh, or maybe a big dignitary is coming to the city, and therefore uh, road should be jammed. So let's all work from home, right? So that's an office work, office first model. The split week model uh, seems to be where you know we work from one one week we work from office, and one week we work from home, right? Uh, and the week by week is where you you actually say you know what every week we will decide whether we want to we all want to be in office or we all want to be no at home. Uh, and again that decision is probably team wise as well right that every team gets the choice to decide as long as you know there's enough space in office for whoever wants to come to office right uh, and finally there's the designated teams week by week model where the organization uh, and the team leaders have decided that you know that during all these uh, you know uh, during all these uh, uh, days of the week this is who is going to turn up uh, in office right this is who is going to turn up uh, and there's something like a uh, like a charter and uh, you know people have to follow the charter right uh, so uh, i think the models are great right though so, the ability of companies to enforce these models from a compliance perspective today seems to be far lower than uh, where the ability to enforce these. So you know, if you remember before the pandemic, we had to swipe in. Uh, the swipe was not. Yes. We could get not a lot of email, right? And yes. Uh, yes. They, 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 while the swipe did come in, others did make it. You did But today, I think that's far more difficult to, to enforce. There's very to know if someone just because they didn't swipe in. uh You know, very difficult to know whether they worked or did not work on that day, Right. So it's becomes very, very difficult i'll tell you my uh favorite model right and maybe this
1: is
0: it's a good time to talk about you know what we've been doing at and paradigm and how we uh, really leveraged uh the changing approach to work uh, to be more effective right so uh we have been actually able to deliver four times or five times more in terms of revenue and business outcomes okay oh wow yeah. You know less than half the full-time workforce that used to have five years back right so that's a tennis improvement in productivity right and the yes. question when we look at our workforce in 2017-18 uh, one of the big realizations that we had is a lot of people uh because we we tried to have a very on roll full-time kind of workforce where everyone uh, the entire outcome the organization has to deliver has to be delivered by people who are within the organization in a full time role uh, we realize that we have a lot of people on role. however the world outside customers outside need you to deliver a variety of outcomes which require very wide variety of skill sets and all the people within the organization simply do not have that many skill sets right uh, and it was people who were struggling to deliver uh, you know a wide variety of outcomes right so we moved to a model where Uh, You know, uh, you leverage a very, uh, you know, skilled and expert, uh, gig workforce, which is third party, which is not on your roles, but a set of experts who actually understand the client industry, who understand the, the specific capabilities that the client wants us to deliver, right? And those people are on third party roles. And your on role team ends up being more like a project management team, right? Uh, whose job is to ensure mm-hmm. that outcome for the client gets delivered, uh, right? You're being the delivery be on. Right, they are on third party, right? Uh, and uh, that becomes a very flexible workforce for us, right? So we are working today with more than 150 uh, third-party experts who have uh, industry experts in a way who have industry expertise in a very wide range of industries. And you have expertise in uh, very different kind of skills, capabilities, etc. And they, uh, when we uh, look at any client, the kind of roles a client has and the skills that the client needs for those roles, these experts come in and then deliver that, right? Uh, And they work on long-term product roadmaps with us to deliver uh, skills uh, on our platform. And then, uh, you know, these skills get delivered on the platform to a client. Right. So the actual skill building and the actual content that is created today is all being done by third parties. We've been able to successfully use this model uh, you know, uh, for our product content teams. We've been able to successfully use this model for our marketing content teams, where a lot of the thought leadership work that is being done today is not done by on-road people. It's being done by off-road people. Right? So if you want this model to succeed, uh, it's not enough to only have an expert third-party gig workforce. Right. You also need to have people on role who are accountable and who own the final outcome, right? Right. right. Accountability and ownership for the final outcome is very important. Right? We've seen a lot of marketplaces where you have uh, a huge gig workforce, right? For example, home services, right? Where you, your app only delivers, uh, you know, plumbers, electricians, carpenters to homes, right? But uh, you don't own the quality, right? And as far as the customer is concerned, they don't care if this person is on-roll or off-road. They want an outcome, right? And they're paying for it with their time and money, right? And if you're not able to deliver the outcome, they're not happy and they don't come back to your product, right? So that doesn't work. You need customers to keep coming back to you because finally, irrespective of whether the outcome is delivered on-roll or off-road, you have a a quality control mechanism to be able to ensure the outcome is delivered uh, and you're able to beat the expectations of the customer. Right. And design your gig workforce according to it. Right. So this has been something that has been very, very successful. The other thing that we've grappled with a lot is in terms of where are our people going to be working out of. Right. Because post the pandemic, uh, people ended up being uh, across 30 states of India. Uh we ended up being we ended up hiring people from outside the country sitting in different parts of the world, right? But delivering right. work that someone in a Bangalore or a Mumbai uh could have ideally delivered, right? Uh, and you just can't call those people back to Bangalore or Mumbai. Right. Uh, so we've grappled with that a lot and we've been asking ourselves the question. Uh, and we've kind of have a fairly flexible so our offices have always stayed open for the last few years. Uh, but we've not really been forcing people to come to office. I think the message to a lot of people is that if if you're being called to office, the reason yeah. is because we want to empower you from two perspectives, right? One is we want to transfer skills to you in a more effective way. And certain skills or certain competencies can be transferred best when there is face to face interaction, right? That's number one. Number two, and that's it, especially if you are if you are new to the system, right? Because there's so much of context that you're missing. Uh, another very important reason why we want people to come to office once in a while is to Ensure that there is inter-function collaboration, right? Because what you will see is that within the within each function, there's a very high degree of collaboration, right? But uh, across functions, sometimes you know uh, collaboration suffers a lot, right? And someone in the sales team seems starts feeling that you know sales is all that matters, right? And someone in the delivery team starts feeling that delivery is all that matter. Likewise, so five. Yeah. Right? So uh, it's important when you design the whole Anywhere model, right? In your Anywhere are you still allowing people to come with a defined cadence of frequency to a common location uh, so that uh, they again come back and realize that, you know, that my team is part of a larger team uh, and there's a larger organization, there's an organizational purpose that we are supposed to achieve, right? That realization is very important so that people don't end up getting too siloed. Right. So I think these are some of the thoughts that we've had. And we've up some models where you know some people come at least once a week to office. Right. Some teams where there are relatively younger people not more handheld teams. But uh, the teams have agreed to come uh you know twice uh, or thrice, even twice a week to office. Mm-hmm. And also teams which are working on a completely remote first model. Right. And there are teams which are working with third party gig workforce where, uh, obviously, you know, the person isn't, you know, the person is not even accountable to come, even if you want to come. Right. So, uh, you know, so we have all these different models actually going on. Right. Yeah. So that, that's the way it is.
1: You know, what is, uh, actually what is, the uh, amused me and I would say amuse me the most in this discussion is, uh, We, everyone is looking at hybrid work as just another chapter in corporate work. But after everything that you mentioned about relinquishing control, empowering your employee, understanding psychology, defining a purpose, it's way beyond just a sheet of KPIs or way beyond a sheet of job description. It's a whole culture which is changing. There is a cultural shift. And that brings me to another point of, you know, Throughout the pandemic, another thing which really took the spotlight was upskilling. Everyone was upskilling and you know honing their skills to become relevant for the new normal. But none of those upskilling was this cultural skill. Because today, uh, a, a Gen X needs to be ready for a Gen Z. True. And uh, that's not just skill sets, that's also adapting to a new work environment. So hybrid work is literally another chapter in corporate history as another sort of work environment, which is here to stay. It is it, it is the normal. It's no longer even the new normal.
0: True. Uh, and to the credit of a lot of co- big companies, we've seen a huge focus uh, from uh, the leadership in terms of helping M- Gen Z or helping Gen X adapt to Gen Z, right? Uh, so, we've seen a lot of our clients uh, doing reverse mentorship models where a Gen Z comes and oh, wow. right. We're talking about a tutor for you who's probably 20, 30 years younger to you, right? And we, we've seen a lot of open-mindedness from Gen X in terms of listening to Gen C. Uh, you know, there's a lot of warmth and affection that gets built up, uh, right? And you know, uh, millennials seem to be sandwiched somewhere in the middle of all this.
1: Millennials are always sandwiched. I think we've just made peace with it. <laughs> uh, no, but John, thank you so much because there is a lot for all our listeners to mull over. Hybrid is not as easy as maybe you know four pointers on Google make it seem to be. Neither is it as complicated or you know um, as difficult as certain policies of uh, certain present policies of organizations make it seem to be. So I think this is worth a thought because clearly great Internet Wi-Fi, great computer screen, Zoom are all here to stay. I think this is the way we will be working in our future.
0: Absolutely. So I want to sign off for all our listeners, you know, with, I think the following couple of, you know, thought thoughts, right. One, you know, there's been a lot of criticism that because attrition rates have spiked up, it's because Gen Z doesn't want to work. Right. Yes. At all, right? Uh, the reason is because Gen Z wants to work in a very different way from how uh, Gen X or were learned how to work, right? Mm-hmm. And it's up to Gen X and Millennials to change the way they work to adapt to how Gen Z wants to work, right? And at the core of it, thing, have to realize that Gen Z wants to work. Gen Z wants to deliver, okay? And Gen Z Probably wants to deliver far more than what Genex or Jungle wanted to deliver. Okay, why? Because medicine is far earlier than, than what uh, millennials and GenX don't, right? And they are they are very impatient, and they 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 are they are itching to kind of deliver those great outcomes that they've seen their their parents or people around them, older to them, have been doing, right? So how do we empower them, right? I think it's important to know that you never uh, swim in the same river twice, right? Because the next time you go back in, the water has changed, right? The water that you are swimming Mm -hmm. in, it's it's a new river, literally, right? So you need to be ready to and open to that, right? So I want to end end by that, right? So that people are able to see Gen C now, you know, we need to reframe the conversation around whether Gen, Gen C wants to work or not, right? Gen C definitely wants to work. It's about how do we, enable them uh, and get the best out of them, right? I think that's that's where I would like to end this podcast.
1: Okay, Gen Z is listening to this. You have a strong supporter here. Sree to John, Han, that. And HR is listening to this. We have a lot to think about. Thank you so much, John. This was a very riveting podcast. I'm already looking forward to what our next subject is going to be. So catch you next week. Okay, Thank you. Have a nice day in Bangalore. See you. Bye.